This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. It's good to be with you this morning. We are studying in Genesis chapter 37, and we've come across a passage of scripture where Joseph presents his dreams to his family. And as we're studying this, it is a really time to sit back and stop and talk about dreams and visions. In in, in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, the uh, dream that Joseph has is this. It says, now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. We said to them, please hear his hear this dream, which I have dreamed. Notice the dream is causing his brothers to hate him even more because he is loved by his father and because he has this coat that in many ways probably made them feel like he had been set above them. He said, so he said, please hear this dream, which I've dreamed. There were, there we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dream and for his words. And so this is dream that Joseph had. Now, it's important to you understand that this is an Old Testament principle and a New Testament principle. And in fact, it, it is found in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, the explanation of it, or at least what God is doing is in our time as far as dreams and visions are talking about. It says in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Okay, that seems interesting. You said, well, Pastor, that's in the Old Testament. That's Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and it's in the Old Testament. I want you to notice, though, he says, when I pour my spirit out on all flesh. Now, he's not talking about Jewish flesh. He's not talking about the children of Israel. He's not talking about the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's talking about pouring out his spirit on all flesh. That obviously wasn't an Old Testament principle that they understood to be something that was going to with them and with their nation. That is a pointing ahead. And in fact, it is pointed ahead so much that in Acts chapter 2, and we see this, we see this as there's a crowd coming and Peter begins to preach his sermon. And when he begins to pe preach his sermon in verse 14, it says, but Peter standing up with the 11 raised his voice and said to them, this is at Pentecost, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words for there are not drunk, uh, for these are not drunk as you suppose 
since it's only the third hour of the day. And I love that. He says, since it's only 9 a.m. And uh, that is one of the jokes in our culture. If you start drinking before noon, you're for sure an alcoholic. And he says, listen, Pentecost happened early in the morning. And I do love that is the case that God's Holy Spirit began to move early in the morning. He didn't have to wait for the day to happen. He moved in the midst of what is a picture of the resurrection. And uh, the resurrection is pictured best by the rising of the sun, by the shining of light on the day, by darkness fleeing the light and uh, God's revelation coming. And he says, for these are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day, since it's only 9 a.m. He says, but this is what was spoken to you by the prophet Joel. Notice, he is summoning, he is, he is reaching back into the Old Testament. And he's saying, listen, this has been told to us before, and we now are seeing it come about. He said, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Notice, in the last days, meaning, in, in, in this passage can be translated in, in, in the last age. And we are in the last age in that we're in the church age. But it says, and it shall come to pass in the last days in the church age that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that's what Peter understood this to mean. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. So as you can see here, that you, as you can see here, that is a passage that deals with, and I think is very important. That's a passage that deals with, um, that deals with dreaming dreams and seeing visions. Now, there's different types of uh, prophecy that happen in the New Testament. And the problem that we have as a church, and oftentimes just the problem that we have, period, is so many people want to function in the more expressive, more outward gifts and don't want to place their focus on the gifts that God has given them in the moment. They want to deal in tongues and they don't want to, and they want to deal in prophecies and dreams and visions. And maybe they don't want to use their gift of teaching, or maybe they don't want to get, use a gift of encouragement, or they don't want to use their gift of, of help. And they and so all of a sudden, all they're caring about is who dreamed what dream and what vision was seen here or there or somewhere else. And they get all caught up in those things. And oftentimes, they get caught up in them to the point where uh, they are trying to force themselves to operate in those gifts rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to work in those gifts. Now, I am clearly in the camp of believing that none of the gifts have passed away. I don't think you can scripturally in the New Testament make a good argument for that. I think you have to strain out an elephant to swallow a gnat in order to make that happen. The use of Corinthians and other passages to say that the gifts have passed away or that some of the gifts have passed away and not all the gifts have passed away is just a effort to diminish something that I think clearly, obviously the Apostle Peter felt like it was clearly an important thing to have going on that he mentions it at the beginning of the church at Pentecost where the church was expanded exponentially and the gospel began to go out all over the world because they were at a feast. It is the Feast of Pentecost. It was a Pentecostal feast. 
and they were and many were there from other parts of the world and they heard the gospel preached in their own tongue and so that gospel went out all over the world and obviously when that happened peter goes back and says look this was prophesied to him to us by the prophet joel and we have an understanding that that's true now listen peter was redneck fisherman we know that he's from galilee and the only way for Peter to become this huge expert in the Old Testament, the expert in the law, and be able to so rightly explain what is going on around him when Pentecost happens, because that's never happened before, and yet Peter is able to succinctly and straightforwardly explain what is going on. The only way for that to be the case is he, had, he must have had a really good teacher. He must have had somebody who gave him some really good training. And okay, I'm trying to think who that might be. I'm thinking it was Jesus. Jesus is probably the one who explained those things. And now that he is gone, and now that he's ascended to the Father, and now that Peter is functioning in his full role, and he's using his gift of leadership, he's using his gift of prophecy or preaching, he's using his, his gift of wisdom, he is using all those gifts together in a mighty way in that story at Pentecost. And when you see that going on and when you see that happening, all of a sudden you realize that Peter is operating and functioning as the head of the church. And he is explaining this to everyone. And he says, hey, listen, there's going to be in the last days, there's going to come a time where old men are going to dream dreams and young men, or, and by the way, he says, your sons and daughters, which means young people are going to see visions. Now, those are two different receiving a, a prophecy. By the way, you would think that the old man way would be the more important way. It's not actually in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, having a dream is the lowest level of prophetic understanding or the lowest level of revelation from God as far as when he does it that way. Now, remember, in the Old Testament, Moses, Moses saw God face to face. He heard God's word directly. And I would say to you, that's important. That's the most important way to hear God's word is to be reading it and allowing the spirit to teach you straightforward in your face. But a lot of the things that God may have to say to you about the future and about things that are going on may not be actually written in his word and may come from you studying his word and then him giving you a dream and allowing you to see something in the future so that you can have understanding. And it may not even ha be able to be understood until the future happens. And by the way, that's what's happening in this dream that's going on with Joseph here. He has a dream. I think he understands it mean that he's going to at some type point in the future rule over his brothers. And he needs to have that in his memory bank for the future because what's about to happen is going to be pretty terrible for his life as far as the way he would see how his life is going and what's going to happen down the road. But he has this dream, and this dream says that he and his brothers are binding sheaves, and all the sheaves stand up, and his brother's sheaves bow down to him. And uh, he understands that to mean at some point down, and his brothers do too. It's a clear it's a clear dream, and his brothers understand that to mean that that he's going to rule over them. And we all know as the story goes on that he ultimately does rule over them. He ultimately is placed second in charge of the kingdom of Egypt, and he comes in, and that his brothers come, escaping a famine, and ultimately they they are under his rulership, and they bow down to him as the head of Egypt, and this it comes about. Now, one of the reasons it is disdained and a, becomes such an issue in the New Testament churches. Oftentimes people use visions and dreams that they may or may not be having 
by the way. I'm not saying that they I'm not saying that they passed away. I'm just saying that certain people may not be having visions and dreams that are from God. They may be having them from someone else. So many somebody say I had a dream and then they give me the dream and the dream itself, the symbolism of the dream is so out of line with God's word that I question what's going on with them. I heard somebody talking about a dream that they'd had recently where an object was moving in a direction that biblically speaking, that object couldn't do, it wouldn't, biblically speaking, that object's never in that situation. In fact, the object wasn't made for that situation. And I would just say to that person when, as they tell me something like that, I just say to them, that's just not in, that's not in line with God's word. I don't know what's happening. And so many times people want to use visions and dreams in place of studying and understanding God's word. Peter is telling them that this is going to be something that's commonplace in the kingdom of God, that God is going to come down and pour out his spirit on all flesh. He's going to reveal himself. He's going to reveal himself primarily through his word. And we know it's the primary way God reveals himself. But he's also, for individual situations and for certain settings and for certain times and seasons, he's going to provide some old men dreams, meaning they're going to see things that are going to happen down the road that are pretty important. And every once in a while, every once in a while, he's going to give someone a vision. And that vision may open up an understanding of what God's doing in a certain setting or a certain situation or a certain time period that we can walk in and that we can apply God's word to and have an understanding or insight as to things that are going to turn out. Now, I thought it was so interesting one time. I was sitting there and there were two people discussing things and one person said, "This I heard a prophet say that this is going to happen at the end of the year or this is going to happen in, in the next six months or this is going to happen in the next decade. And the person who was listening to him, because what was being said just did not seem like he was going to be right. The person listening to him said, and it was so cool when it was said that way, the person, because I thought it was so pastoral and so powerful, the person who said, now, if that doesn't come about, you're going to quit listening to that person who told you the vision or told you the dream. And the person said, we start, they start backpack, backtracking. Here's the problem. If you say that I had this vision or dream from God, if you say that it definitely came from God, what you're saying is you're re you're receiving a certain level of prophecy, okay? A dream is prophetic. If it's not prophetic, it's not of any value. A vision is prophetic. If it's not prophetic, it's of no value. It, that's just obvious, okay? And so if it is prophetic and it is from God, you could say, thus saith the Lord. Now, listen to me. Listen to me, because this is real important. If I say, thus saith the Lord, and it doesn't happen, then I'm a false prophet. And I falsely either assumed that a vision or dream I had was from God, or I am telling people things for my own benefit that are not actually true. Either way, those people don't need to be listening to me. Either way, those, th those things don't need to be being said out of my mouth. Visions and dreams are important New Testament principle. We find it at the start of the church in Acts chapter 2. They're not something to be diminished, but they're also not something to be played with so that you can find, so that you can entertain yourself. They're not for entertainment purposes. The primary way we understand God and we get to know God is by studying and knowing his word, which is his son made to us in his revelation of himself. That's the primary way we come to know God. And then God uses these other methods to provide us insights into the individual situations we're in. 
But if you're having a dream and the dream has no purpose or no end to it, what, why are you having it? God's not just going to give you a dream about something that's going to happen down the road that has no purpose or no or no a reason for you. It, he, it, it's, 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 it doesn't work as far as his New Testament revelation. God is going to, if you have a dream, and I've had two or three dreams that I distinctly remember, and as I distinctly remember them happening, having those dreams, I can see in the next few months or year them working themselves out, and I completely understand what God was showing me. And at that time, I had a good understanding of what God was showing me. And you go, what were they? Sometimes the dreams need to be told, and sometimes the dreams don't need to be told. And that's another principle that we need to deal with. God doesn't always give you a dream so you can just run off and tell everybody that you had a dream. I've, that's, that, that oftentimes is not what God's purpose is. Just because God gives me a dream doesn't mean he told me to tell everybody that dream. And some things are for, just for me. And some things are just for me and the person that God told me to speak to on that account. And some things are just for me to uh, to see God and at his work and trust him even more in the situation that I'm in. And there's a lot of aspects to dreams and visions, and there's a lot of aspects to prophecy that are in the New Testament and that are important. But they're important that you operate in them and you function in them the way God's word teaches you to function in them. And that you not use them as something to bring to bring light on yourself. And uh, ultimately, that's the problem. And I actually not sure whether God told Joseph, it's not indicated in this passage, so we can't, we don't go past scripture. But I don't know that God told Joseph to tell them that dream. And by the way, if I had been in this situation, understanding what I understand now, and he said, he, he said, he told his brothers, and he had a dream, and he told his brothers that they hated him anymore. So, it says, so afterwards, he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. Notice, they don't want to hear it. Now, that's important, because it's not my job to give a dream or a vision to someone who has got a hard heart, who's hard-hearted toward it. I would take from this passage, and my understanding of this passage, is that Joseph is using this dream to place himself above his brothers, which the dream actually does, which means that God's going to eventually bring about <clears throat> that truth because it's from God. He's going to bring about that truth. And so what needs to happen is, as we're studying through this, as we're thinking about it, he needs to take that and understand it. And when he told his brothers, I had this dream, and they didn't want to hear it, you know what he should have done? Not told it to them. Should have not told it to them because it was going to come about he could have told his father. He could have told some friends. He could have told somebody who was ready to receive God's revelation. And he could have just left his brothers out of it. He could have just left his brothers out of the picture. And you go, why is it in here then? It's trying to give us an understanding of dreams and visions. And he says, and his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Notice they're not accepting of the vision. Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And so many times in our modern culture, in our modern Christian culture, people have dreams and visions and they don't seek out God's purpose in those dreams and visions and they don't figure out why God is giving them those things and they misuse them or they don't understand how to work and operate in them and then all of a sudden they don't understand why things aren't working out the way they thought they would work out. I guess Joseph thought 
that his brothers just going to immediately start bowing down to him because he told them that drink. Their hearts were already hard toward him. And they were already hard toward what God was saying anyway. We already see that two of the brothers are, well, in, in modern day terms, they're no doubt about it. Biblical terms, they're murderers. And they're not going to be open to that. And that dream, it in no way indicates that God told him to tell his brothers that dream. God gave him that dream. And so I would just say to you, as you operate in dreams and visions, we need to use biblical principles and biblical understandings before we just go off willy-nilly and begin to operate in gifts that we have no understanding of and that we don't and that we don't know what God's purpose is behind them. And you say, just anti anti these gifts. I'm really not. And the reason I'm really not is because the gift that I primary, primarily operate in is the gift of teaching. And God says not many of you should suppose yourself or should take on the position of a teacher because do you not know you'll be more strictly judged? I understand that. I understand that principle. I understand that's an important understanding. If I'm going to teach God's word, I need to understand that God's going to hold me more accountable. And it's important that I have an understanding of what I'm talking about. It's important that I have uh, done the hard work and done the thinking and done the searching and done the uh, due diligence, that I don't just show up and preach somebody else's sermon or teach somebody else's Bible study or speak not in the Spirit, not allow the Spirit to have control when I'm teaching. It's important that these principles are in place and that I understand those principles and I operate not only in the gift that God's given me, but in the biblical principles that God has taught me that relate to my gift. And I also need to teach for the purpose of edification of the church. So if I'm teaching something that's not edifying the church, am I really operating in the gift properly? I need to always speak words of love and speak words of encouragement. Is how I'm teaching and how I'm preaching, is it loving? It can be difficult and hard and yet still be loving. It ought to always have covering of love on it. If I'm talking about some of the painful issues of our day, like racism or like abortion or lawlessness in the streets, I still need to preach and teach with the covering of love on top of it. And I understand that there is a gift that God has given me. And when I operate in that gift, it has importance, it has purpose, and it gives life to those who hear it. If I function properly in his spirit, submitting to his will and to submitting to what he says, and if it's done, it's done powerfully. If it's done wrongly, it's done selfishly. And I need to do that. So also with all gifts, whether it be tongues or healing or prophecy or visions, all those gifts, all those things need to be done in order and they need to be done with a wise understanding of what God is doing and operating in your life. And they may need to be led by the spirit. And if they're not, oftentimes they cause hatred and division and they don't bring about God's best. And so I would just say to you today, this has been a kind of a deep story, but we're going to get another vision tomorrow, by the way, another dream. And and so I would just say to you that this is an important principle for the church. It's an important idea because what happens is people don't function in it. And other people just say, ah, I don't believe in that and just throw it all away. And so what's happened is the person who has the dream and has the vision doesn't get the benefit of the dream and the vision. People who needed to hear the dream and the vision don't get the benefit of the dream and the vision. And in fact, down the road, nobody operates in anything because the dreamer eventually gets to the place where they just are fed up with the church and leave the church. 
And the people who needed to hear the dream, if it's from God and had a purpose, they just close their ears off and don't listen. And is that right? I don't think so. I think God has worked out his full and complete plan and his full and complete work of his Holy Spirit for our benefit and our best. And we want to see all that take place. I want to see people healed. I want to see people walk in their gifts. I want to see the good things of God happen. But I want to see them happen in a way that builds up and doesn't destroy, that causes understanding and does not bring about confusion. And I think that is the proper way to look at it. And I praise God that he's given us those things. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.